All right, we are back with a new episode of the Clinch Perfect Pod, episode 25, quarter of a century. Um, ben, I'm joined by Tom as always. How are you doing, mate? Doing very, very well. I can't actually quite believe that we've made it this far. I say that every week, but it's true. That's how little, <laughs> we take a, we take a bit of a break. Think of us <laughs> every week. <laughs> Fucking hell, we're still going. <laughs> well, we took a little bit of a break just because of uh, time commitments and stuff, but we're back on it. And what, what a way to kick back and, and talk about some MMA, right? Like, what a weekend. But it's just, I feel like we had that kind of hiatus. And then every event since has just been an absolute banger. Um, some mixed results for British fan, uh, British fighters, of course. But yeah, I'm en- I'm enjoying MMA at the moment. I must say, I'll tell you what's brought mixed results, mate. While we've uh, we've been on what we went two weeks without an episode, is uh, my fight predictions. When I don't get on here to and, and talk about the fights, and obviously before we come on here and talk about them, I research them. My fight predictions just go out the window because I just look at the card and go, "Yep, him, her, him." <laughs> so when I don't spend the time to actually research it for this pod. Uh, yeah, my uh, my prediction's been all over the place the last couple of cards, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll forget about that and pretend it, pretend it never happened. Um, did you watch Contender Series last night? I did, I did. I'll tell you what, it, actually, I've watched the past couple of Contender Series because I think they've both been brilliant. I love the fact that, I think it's kind of the whole pandemic um, that sort of played into its hands, really, because they've all, obviously all of them have been offered, well, not all of them, but all the winners have been, and one loser yeah, and have been loser offered contracts, which is kind of crazy because if you think about it, I think a certain Mr. Brennan Lockman um, will be slightly annoyed um, because I think he fully deserved his shot at the time. And there are probably some fighters who have been given shots who probably didn't deserve their shots at the moment. But either way, it's been, I mean, absolute cracker. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what Josh Quinlan, is it Quinlan, Kinlan? I don't, know. I don't quite know how you yeah, pronounce I think, it. Yeah, I think Quinlan. Quinlan, um, yeah, I was really he impressed with like him. an absolute monster. Yeah. Uh, and sheer aggressiveness. See- I don't know if you saw it at the end, but like Dana, when Dana, I think it was on their like Instagram or Snapchat or something that Dana was congratulating them. And the one he was most impressed by was Josh Quinlan. And I'm not surprised. I mean, I know the short notice replacement and everything, but he completely smoked him. Like just, just blew him away. Yeah. Those elbows round. were mean. Um, I was really impressed by Vergara. Vergara, is it? Um, yes. Bruno I Correa, actually yes. picked against him in that fight. I, I thought, yeah, Bruno Correa would get that probably to the mat and win it there. And uh, he never even had a chance. He started throwing his uh, his spinning shit that he loves to do, and yeah, Vergara just smoked him. I tell you, what would be a really fun fight, actually. And I, I know it's it's quite a while, but Kaikara France versus um, Vergara, it would be insane. Yeah, definitely one down the line to uh, to look out for. Um, if he makes it that far, he's got quite a ways to go before he I gets there. Though, I quite like the fact that they're all different weight classes. Like it's not like you know like a bunch of heavyweights or mm-hmm. like, you, you kind of get. A smorgasbord of divisions. You get like a little morsel. Oh, I quite like the light heavyweight. Oh no, I quite like this middleweight. Like, it, it, it's fun. It's, it's it's exciting. It's why you like fights. You don't get the same stuff all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you watched any of the Invicta card, but that was great. PFL. Um, yeah, at least said about that better. And then obviously <laughs> UFC. What are we calling it? London, Vegas, Shebang, whatever it was called. Um, UFC. I thought that was London. UFC London, yes. <laughs> Sound oh, really I... weird. Dude, like I'm doing a racist German accent. <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the card. What did you think? Uh, it was class, yeah. Um, it gave us our, our wholesome moment of the week. This is, this is a new feature. I, I started a, f- a few episodes ago, and I want to keep it going because I enjoy looking for it during the weeks. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to find, you know, a diamond in the shit 
of sports media every week. Um, <laughs> but uh, my, my wholesome moment of the week came from, came from this card. And it was uh, Molly McCann running out to support Paddy. Um, you know, whether you love or hate them or, or wanted them to win or wanted them to lose or whatever. Um, I actually bet against Paddy and regretted that. Uh, yeah, like just to see, like, you don't get it in the arena, do you? Like the, the apex brings a whole new element to it. You would never see a fighter run out to see their, um, you know, their training partner and, and cheer them on like that in an arena. So I just, it was such, such a cool and like unique moment. I doubt it'll happen again because there's not many people like Paddy and Molly. Um, but yeah, it was just really cool to see her come out and um, show such passionate support for him. You know, it's funny you should say that because I was on a, a call with them the week beforehand and the thing that struck out to me the most is they are quite like brother and sister. I don't just mm-hmm. mean the fact that Molly's dyed her hair blonde, but I also mean <laughs> the fact that, I mean, they are literally so close. I mean, I think that that actual camp itself or that their team is so, so tight-knit. You've got like Matt Bonner, Nathan, Nathan Fletcher, of course, who's fighting with the Cage Warriors title in a couple of weeks. Um, they're very, very close. And I, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of what fans like. They like the whole like Rocky kind of, bond between fighters and yeah. you, you saw that in, in molly because i mean she was proud as punch quite literally um of, of paddy's performance and rightly so because i mean he knocked it out of the park quite literally it's kind of i actually wrote it in a piece the other day i, I said that it, it, it's everything you kind of wanted or everything you kind of want in a debut because you have the adversity you have the fighting back you have the finish and then you have the post post fight interview which I, th- I think it delivered on all fronts. Um, but I, I felt like actually the thing that I was sort of most impressed by was Paddy's adapting or, or how Paddy has adapted to the lightweight division. Like we've seen him at featherweight and he's clearly struggled to make the weight at times. He's been eating those veggies, but that's for sure. He is massive at lightweight. Well, at least horse meat. Having said that, I would say that maybe Luigi is a bit of a small lightweight. So maybe the size comparison isn't perhaps yeah but he's powerful lightweight um even even though he's you know on the smaller side that was i'd say the thing that impressed me most about paddy was part of the reason i picked against him is because luigi has that power and i was like okay paddy's gonna wade in there with his chin in the air and gonna get caught and that did happen but i mean i wouldn't even say it wobbled him it gave him a bit of a shock but uh you know he recovered very quickly and very impressively so yeah he's got a hell of a chin yeah i think i think that's i think that's the thing with paddy right like i I was thinking about it the other day. I was thinking, how far can he go? And it's far too early to come to any form of conclusions yeah. because he's literally just made his debut. We haven't seen him in there with any real elite level fighter as much as I like Benjamini. So I think that's the test, right? Like, give him a couple more fights, a couple more burning fights, and then as they do with like Makachev and whatever, start throwing him in there with some of the wolves, some of the sharks. But I feel like at lightweight, you kind of don't have. There's no margin for error because. Mm-hmm. I mean, say you make, say you leave your chin wide open against someone like a Brad Riddell or a Drew Dober, right? They're just going to put you away. And I feel like with Paddy, I think Paddy's still growing as a fighter. I don't think he's the complete package or the complete. And he actually said that. I think he said that in his post fight interview, saying or post fight press conference, he was saying something like, "Oh, there's still room to improve. I'm still just 26." Blah 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 blah. blah. And I completely agree with all that sentiment. Um, but I tell you what, it's going to be a fun ride wherever it ends up. That's that's the last thing you said there is exactly what I was about to say is that I I don't know how good he's going to be I I suspect he may start to be a slightly overrated based on how dramatic that debut was and uh, and like I say the fact that he's not quite you know well rounded all his skills yet um, but 
who cares? Like, it'll get eyes, you know, whether he's winning or losing, he's, he's going to get eyes on the sport. He's going to get eyes on his fight on whatever card he's on. Um, people will tune in to watch him, whether they are tuning in because they want to see all oh, this cocky guy that they don't like lose or because they want to see Paddy the Baddy dominate someone. Um, you know, either way, he's he's stirring emotion in fans, which is is what you need from a fighter, you know, especially impressive to do that on your debut when, you know, outside of UK fans, no one would have really known him that well. Um, obviously, it didn't go quite so well for uh, another scouser in the main event, Darren Till. Um, this being said on the on the BT Sport post uh, post fight show, they tore his ACL ten weeks ago, and so Till hasn't trained wrestling at all in the last ten weeks, building up to this fight, and uh, it showed. <laughs> it was uh, it was depressing to watch as a as a British MMA fan. I'm not going to lie. And do you know, the thing is with me, though, like, I'm not saying he's making an excuse there, but I don't really buy that because you're going into a fight with Derek Branson, who all he's going to do is wrestle you. Like, it, it, it kind of, to me, it seems a bit of a lame excuse. I, I don't, I, like, if it was that bad, he wouldn't have been able to stand, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it kind of seems a bit hollow for me to go, oh, so that's the reason he lost. I don't think that's the reason he lost. I think that, I think the reason he lost is... Well, this being said, it there is wrestling. I don't think he's, and in fact, there's a, there's a clear comparison here because I've seen loads of hot takes of like, oh, he's going to do a Bisping, and Bisping went on like what, however many losing streaks he went on, and then became a champion. I don't think. I, I think the distinction is that Bisping actually had decent ground game and decent takedown defense, and yet Brunson was quite literally picking Till up and putting him down like a baby, like just two hands clutching like picking him up and dumping him on his back and he did it repeatedly and it, it was the fact that Till didn't even try to get up that kind of or he, I think he did in the third round and he kind of exhausted himself out and then he tapped yeah like when he tried to flip him over uh, but it just it kind of really frustrated me because I thought I actually thought that, that I, I thought Till would lose but I thought it would be a decision I thought it, it would be like five rounds of Brunson just mauling him and Till like managing to stand up but not being able to do much damage because of the clinch work and everything like that. I didn't actually expect him to lose in such a dominant fashion. That's what surprised me most. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to give some credit to Brunson for that as well. Um, blonde Brunson, undefeated, best, best, undisputed best fighter in the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like whatever you say about um, Till's takedown defense not being great and his get-up game not being great, a lot, you know, a lot of that was down to Brunson. I think. Before we kind of thought of him thought of him as like a lay and pray wrestler, whereas in the first round we saw he's actually um, you know putting some damage out now. I mean he completely busted up Darren's face in the first round, so um, you know it's not. I, I like to see that development of a guy who you know is kind of like what people are saying Till needs to do, which is you know have a kind of stall in their career and uh, you know things aren't going their way, and then he's come back and um, you know sort of upset the apple cart all over again. So I think Till can kind of take some inspiration from what Brunson's done, obviously um, you know with different strategies, but. Yeah, I mean, Brunson, do you think he's done enough to get a title shot? Because I literally don't see it even zero, like 0%. I, I think he's got no chance. No, got to fight Jared Cannonier. You know what yeah, I mean? That's, that's, that's the logical step. I just, is he beat him in such comprehensive fashion? That's and, the issue. That's the issue. Um, if he was on, what is he, on a four, five fight win streak? Um, yeah, four, if he hadn't yeah. fought Izzy and he's no, on, five, this, yeah. on this win streak, dominating like decent contenders, um, then you have to give him a, a shot, right? Like, or, you know, at least put him in the conversation. But when the champ has already dominated you, knocked you out before they were even in their prime and at their best, like you've got to make, you got to make it indisputable that like, Hey, you have to give me this title shot. And the only way to do that, like you said, is to beat Jared Cannonier. 
And, and the difference here is that like everyone's saying, oh, but Whitaker's getting the title shot. Whitaker's already beaten Kalanir. Like mm-hmm. that's the the separation here. Kalanir is kind of like the, the dark horse of the division. Izzy has spoken about wanting to fight Kalanir. So if you beat Kalanir, that's Kalanir is almost like the gatekeeper to Izzy, which sounds kind of crazy, but I, I've, that's how I've got it in my head. If you beat Kalanir, you're going to get the title shot. And also, I don't think I don't think Branson sells enough to do that. Like. The Izzy versus Robert fight, you can quite easily sell out any stadium in Oz or New Zealand. Take your pick mm-hmm. because people will go and watch it. I don't think you could, I mean, you probably could off Izzy, but I don't think you could quite get that same impact or interest if he's fighting a Brunson. So that's why, in my opinion, he's got to go out and beat Jared Kanye. Um, and I, I think actually he's kind of, I, I think obviously he called for a title shot, but I think he was also like, yeah, I'll fight anyone. Like if I have to fight Kanye and then get a title shot, that's fine. I don't think he was too bothered about it either way too brash about it yeah yeah and then on the other end of the spectrum we've got co-main event tom aspinall absolutely destroying people and then going yeah i want to take it slow don't rush me up there <laughs> i mean <laughs> jesus christ how like i can't even put into words how impressive tom aspinall is every single time he fights like every time you sort of think oh you know like this one spivak at short notice um from a guy for a guy who's known you know primarily as a striker i know we know that tom can can grapple as well but you know, Spivak is like the perfect foil to that, right? He's going to come in, he's going to try and, you know, hold you up against a fence and get you down and just lay on top of you. And uh, especially at short notice when you've been planning for another striker. Um, but, to, you know, defend the takedown so perfectly, turn it into a clinch, land a perfect knee and elbow um, out of that clinch. Like, it, it couldn't have been any more flawless from Aspinall. Aspinall has, how do I describe it? This unflappable nature about him. I don't think he's phased by anything. Like the shortness opponent. I mean, don't forget, he was meant to fight Pavlovich, who's a completely different fighter to Spivak. I mean, I yeah, know, exactly. know they're both wrestling, but they both have their different strengths, right? So you're, you're preparing for that in the middle of a pandemic. Then all of a sudden, a week out from the fight, you're fighting this other guy who is also a very dangerous prospect. Um, but when I spoke to him, he was very, very calm and rational and he didn't even see it as a battle of prospects really he was just like yeah that's the guy I've got to beat onto the next one kind of thing very very methodical and I think that's kind of his fighting style like he clearly saw a weakness in Spivak in the stand-up but more to the point he knew that his speed would give him such an advantage in the stand-up that he could then use that to his advantage like you saw that with the elbow Do you know, I didn't actually notice the elbow until like the replay. I mean, I saw it briefly, but I, I kind of yeah. thought it was a punch and it was only on the replay that I was like, oh my God, that was a short elbow. Like, that's crazy. And he said he doesn't, he, said, he says he doesn't have power, but I think he does have power. I think he has timing. I think his timing is impeccable. Um, it's just, and speaking of timing, I, I, I don't think you could come up with a better timing because obviously you've got Cyril Garn who's just about to fight Francis Ngarni. Like you've, you've got this new breed or new era of heavyweight coming through in a way that the I guess the heavyweights in boxing have evolved like you've got these fast guys who can move like middleweights but also can hit like a truck and that's Tom Aspinall to a T I I was just really impressed with the way that he just essentially completely outclassed Spivak who I actually thought a couple of years ago would be quite a tough test for him I was was going to say Spivak's no joke that's the thing is like up until this point I'm not going to shit on any of Tom's past opponents here but up until this point you can kind of say okay he's not really fought like, you know, a legit contender yet. He's not really for anyone who you're, who you're looking at. as like, oh, that's a really tough challenge. Um, but, you know, Spivak is a ranked guy. He's a really, really good wrestler. And he just, 
looked completely outclassed in there. Like he never even stood a chance. Um, like I said, the takedown he did attempt, Tom defended it almost with ease and then turned it into the finishing sequence. So um, yeah, just really impressive performance. I think he said after the fight, he just wants whoever's next for him in the rankings, which is looking like it's going to be um, Blago Ivanov. Um, I picked out Augusto Sakai as I think that would be a really fun matchup, but Ivanov makes a lot of sense as well. And um, yeah, that'd be a fun one. Um, what do we have before that? Alex Morono and David Zawada. Yeah, that fight I'm was great. Asleep. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> um, Morono looked pretty good, but it wasn't a particularly entertaining fight. And uh, Zawada's a tough son of a bitch. I will just say that and uh, move on to uh, one of the talking points of the week, I think, which is um, should we ban oblique kicks? Everyone's going crazy about banning oblique kicks. Uh, first of all, no. Like, you don't punch people, you don't ban people punching people in the head. Like, it just. The whole their whole argument is stupid because the whole sport is based around damaging your opponent. It's a viable weapon. I, I, it may be disgusting to look at or not exactly particularly pleasant to the individual, but it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a legitimate tactic. It, I, I don't see any reason why they would outlaw it. It's not like an eye poke. Well, to be honest, is- I was in the other. I was in the other camp. I was. Uh... After, after I watched that, not, not because um, of any you know, loyalty to the British fighter or bias or anything like that. I just thought, fuck me, like, um, you know, that if that technique lands the way it's intended to, it is guaranteed Damage. to put your opponent out probably for a year, maybe for life, you know, at least for a long period of time. Um, and I was thinking you can't really say that about, about other things. But then again, you kind of can. Like if a spinning wheel kick lands perfectly to the chin, and shatters your jaw that could put you out for a year you know we've seen um how many people have seen recently break their legs throwing their own leg kicks like you know there's plenty of things that can put you out for an extended period of time in mma and that's just one of them so yeah i, I was actually of the uh of the opinion that they should ban them but um you know i'm uh i'm an open-minded individual and i've had my mind changed by reasonable arguments from uh lunatics on twitter so <laughs> yeah i've uh yeah i've come around to to your way of thinking as well and um and Bukowskis was really classy about it as well i don't know if you've seen his, his social media post um because a lot of um and fighters as well not just fans a lot of fighters and fans were going at roundtree on his social media comments basically saying like you dirty piece of shit like you just injured that guy um and Bukowski's actually came out on his social media and said you know lay off my opponent it was my job to defend um what was a good technique from him and I didn't so um yeah I mean all credit to Roundtree and and credit for Bukowski's as well for taking it like a man yeah I, I, I never understand that like you don't see you know I mean you don't see fighters like slamming Muniz for snapping Jack Ray's arm do you know what I mean it just yeah it's a technique get used to it it's been around for ages like it, it's not like they're putting supplements in their bodies or anything like that I, I i personally see no issue with it and who do we have before that um oh that was the the paddy fight and, and luigi to open up the uh the main card we already talked about that but did we talk about next matchups for paddy um because i've seen no, a lot didn't. of names uh thrown out there obviously everyone let's be honest everyone would love to fight him everyone in that sort of you know middling range in the lightweight division would love to fight him because that's a that's now a name on their resume as ridiculous as that is to to have only had one fight and to be a name that everyone wants but um i i think one to really look out for would be um terence mckinney and and faraz ziam is that how you pronounce it um yes. are fighting in a, in a couple of months and the winner of that i think would be a, a great shot because especially if mckinney wins because if mckinney wins it's probably going to be like a 20 second knockout because that's the only way he wins so there'd be so much hype between between both sides and it would be a great sort of prospect versus prospect battle oh that would be tasty that would be very tasty 
Yeah, I could see the McKinney fight. I was going to go Julian Arosa just because of the Cage Warriors fight, like putting Paddy putting a more of a conclusive stamp on it. Get, get, like get the, the storyline there. We love a storyline. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Build the narrative, easy to sell, job done. Dana, I've done it for you. You don't have to pay me. Don't worry. It's already done. It's sorted. That's what I have yeah. on the promo. It's just your voice from this pod saying, <laughs> yeah, Dana, you don't pay me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, before that, his, uh, his teammate, Molly McCann, um, I've seen some people complaining about this decision and I can actually kind of see where they're coming from because Kim landed a lot of counter strikes when Molly was just charging forward like a lunatic. But it's it's going to be hard for the judges not to give that fight to Molly. Yeah, especially the forward pressure. And, just because like, of the body language as well. Like Kim looked like, oh shit, oh shit, like <laughs> at all yeah. times. Like, do you know what I mean? She was kind of backing up like, this bitch is crazy. And also to be fair, Molly wobbled her a couple of times. Like when, yeah. um, and, and I think... I think everyone's reacting because of the head clash, because obviously the, the, mm-hmm. that's the what you would say is the defining moment of the fight. But then Molly battles back and actually wobbles Kim, Kim on a couple of times. Like, yeah, I don't really have a problem with the decision. I'm not just saying that because I'm a friend with Molly. I just or a friend of Molly's. I just I, I thought either fighter could have won it. Would I have complained either way? Probably not. Um, but I mean, in terms of Molly's career. There was so much at stake here. Like last fight on a mm-hmm. contract, if she'd lost, she would have been cut. It's really as simple as that. Like losing a streak and everything, and she manages to pull it out the bag. Admittedly, wasn't the prettiest of performances. I think she'll she'll happily admit that. But putting it all on the line and f- literally fighting for your career, I think it takes a lot of guts. Yeah, and I mean that's what. Let's be honest. That's what Dana and the UFC want is people that go out there and fight like that. Um, you know, if she fights like that and wins one out of every two, she'll uh, she'll have a contract as long as she wants it. Let's let's be honest. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you say, to to go out there with that much pressure on her shoulders and get the win doesn't really matter how she got it. And um, yeah, I think I, I think I agree with the decision, but um, I can also see the argument for it being um, you know maybe a little closer than people thought it was because uh, she she was getting hit a lot when she was charging in. Um, someone who didn't get hit a lot was Jack Shaw before that fight. I think um, his opponent, Ludovic Shalinian, only landed single-digit strikes in the first round, if I remember correctly. Um, perfect, you know, perfect performance from Jack, especially considering he had a torn bicep, apparently. How bonkers. Literally, Richard, his, his dad and head coach, messaged me afterwards going, oh, yeah, Jack had torn his bicep and could barely do any wrestling like two weeks before or even a week before. I mean, he literally went to the fight with a torn bicep. It's just... I'm never, I'm never, I'm never surprised by a Jack Shaw fight anymore. Just because I think he's just so technically good, like it's brilliant actually. The way, but the way he flows between stand up and takedowns, young fighters should be watching that, and taking notes because it looks almost effortless. The transition between the two. Well, the takedowns um, were particularly impressive to me here because, um, you know, I, I've said before this fight, I don't think Ludovic is UFC caliber. But he is a fantastic wrestler. That's the one thing he does have going for him. He was was it a national champion wrestler in Ukraine or something. So, um, like the ease with which Jack just, like you say, flowed from from striking exchanges into um, landing his takedowns was super impressive. Yeah, no, it's just uh, I think I mean, there's a lot of talk about Paddy, obviously, right? So made his debut and everything. But I think we, as the media and the general public, can't overlook what Jack has done over his career. Look at the amount of submissions he's had. Look at the amount of finishes he's had. Very, very tough opponents. And he's never looked troubled. Like, even against, even in his last fight against Hunter, like I just, I didn't see anything there that particularly concerned me. I thought the split decision was ridiculous. I thought he 
one unanimous personally, but it, I'm just I'm so impressed by by how he can't he continues to mature. Like it's almost like he levels up between each fight. He just keeps on getting he makes incremental changes and gets better and better and better. Like his his jab was just on point. I mean Sherlinian couldn't even get near him, really. Um he just punched in the face repeatedly. And I, I, I hope not that I hope they push him on and immediately push him towards like the top ten or whatever. But I hope he now gets a name. Like he was hoping to get. He was, I mean, he was meant to get Said and I get made of. But as he kind of said in his post-fight interview, Said didn't show up. It should be on to the next step for Jack. I'd love to see him. I mean, again, he's called out. You name it, Song Yadong. Um, who am I forgetting? Who else is he called out? My um, son Shao and uh, Cody Stamen. They were, they were the, the three names he mentioned on Twitter. A Sun Sao would be amazing because it's a veteran. It's also a bit of a name. Yeah, I think I think that's the perfect kind of next step for Jack because I think what people kind of have to realise is they're not going to rush him because he doesn't I mean he has an amazing personality but he's not like a Connor he's not going to trash talk his opponents he just leaves it all in the cage he's very mm-hmm. very respectful he's a respectful martial artist and I think we're going to have a lot of fun covering his career because uh, as Bisping says in or said on BT Sport I think we could be looking at the, the first Welsh UFC champion here's hoping mate my Welsh pride is beaming right now. Um, yeah, I think uh, another one to look out for might be Casey Kenny. If the UFC decide not to not to rush Jack quite, you know, quite so high, um, Kenny winnable. obviously just lost to Song Yudong. So if that's if he's sort of aiming in that Song Yudong area, and uh, if he's aiming in the Dong area, and um, and the UFC decide, you know, let's step dial it back a touch, then uh, I think Casey Kenny could be a sort of sweet spot um, just outside of the rankings there for him. Um, but yeah, I think a Sunsao would be an awesome fight. And like you say, if he wins, what a name to have on the resume that early and still be undefeated. Um, somewhat uh, of a disappointing performance of the night, I would say, um, for me at least, is because I'm a big fan, was uh, was Charles Jordan. Uh, his fights are always crazy. They're always action-packed. But I just, it seemed like he was lacking a bit of volume in this fight. Um, Julian Arosa came out and sort of put him put him on him in the first round. And, and Jordan did bounce back in the second round. But I don't know. It just feels like his fights are usually well. This one was action packed as well, but he usually fights at, a, at a, you know with a bit more urgency. It, it felt like that was lacking here. I think I, I think he kind of felt Arosa's power and then got a bit not not. I think he kind of backed off a little bit. Like you saw him stumble, standing against the cage, and then he kind of went into his shell. I think that's what Jordan, Jordan does. Like I think if if you kind of catch him unawares he kind of retreats into the shell and then it's only a matter of time before you submit him well i think um, that's what disappointed me to be honest because in the uh, in his last fight against marcelo rojo he, he got hit a lot they both did it was a crazy fight and um i think what made me and a lot of other people big fans of jordan was in that fight was that after two brutal war rounds at the start of the third round he said you know this is mine now i'm having this and he just went out there and threw the absolute kitchen sink and i was waiting for that to happen in this one and it just never did yeah, I mean, I mean, credit to Arosa because there are a couple of times where he himself was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, just, second round he got shook. He came back and weathered the storm, the storm, so to speak. But yeah, kind of, Jordan's one of those, the really frustrating prospects who clearly has a lot of skill, but I don't know if it's a mental thing or if, or if it's if it's part of his game plan. But I, I think there's a couple of things where he just needs to like become a bit more confident. Yeah, it almost it almost feels like he's he's losing to people that are less talented than him, and uh, and that's really infuriating. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of what's next, I'm not really sure for Jordan. I'll be honest, because I haven't looked at the rankings. Rosa, I'd quite like to see fight Paddy Pimlet. I just think 
because the whole Cage Warriors narrative. Um, Jordan was originally booked to fight Lerone Murphy, right? Yeah. So you could potentially make the Julian Rosa Lerone Murphy fight. Well, I think you can make Murphy fight either of these, to be honest. Um, obviously, a Rosa would would make more sense, I think, because Murphy's such a, a top prospect and you wouldn't really want to um, rebook him with the guy who was supposed to fight you've just lost. But um, at the same time, that would be such a banger of a fight. I kind of want it anyway between uh, Jordan and Murphy. But um, yeah, I think M- Murphy against either of these two makes sense. Just saying that now, I think he comfortably beats both. <laughs> yeah, he's got serious power for that for that division. Uh, yeah. Um, what have we got next? Oh, God, yeah. Another fight that I nearly fell asleep to. But honestly, <laughs> this is the worst. I, I thought it was going to be like an absolute banger. And I, I turn, I'm, I'm like... Well, I knew a message you going, this is going to be like a really early night for me. <laughs> I, I was, it would have been really early, mate. This card started at like 4 p.m. our time or something, wasn't it? Oh, no, like seven, but still a hell of a lot <laughs> earlier than usual. Um, yeah, Lungambula is um, another one that kind of always leaves me wanting a bit more, always leaves me a bit disappointed that like, I feel like he has a lot of the tools, but he just never puts them together. Um, and I, guess, I suppose you've got to give credit to Barrio because he, uh, you know, he outclassed him really, and then in the third round, when he could have kind of sat back and gone, well, I'm probably two rounds up. I'll just chill." He, uh, you know, he really put the pressure on and turned the volume up. So um, I was pretty impressed with the mentality, if anything, from Barrio. To be fair, um, as well as as well as the fighting skill, obviously. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. I, I thought I'm gonna say that I nearly fell asleep on the fight, but I, well, I, I think he made it look boring. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He kind of made it boring made with, it look how, easy. with how perfect yeah. he fought. Um, he never really got himself in danger. And yeah, there was some wild exchanges, but he was always the one that looked the better off in those wild exchanges. He's had such a weird career as well, because at one point he was a really high prospect when he first came into the UFC. And now he's like, I mean, with the whole side of thing and everything, but it seems to be putting a bit of momentum together or a bit of momentum behind him, which is good. Yeah, I think he's um, moved down to Florida as well, hasn't he? To, uh, you know, help his wrestling training and things as well. So, um I mean, that didn't come into effect here, but his striking looked crisp. And if he can, you know, add add some wrestling uh, talent on there as well, then uh, he's definitely going to be, I wouldn't say a, a dark horse of the division, but one to one to watch out for. Definitely, definitely. What are we gonna, oh, it's the, oh, it's your favourite, it's my favourite part, because we <laughs> get to insult people. No, uh, um, yeah, this is kind of a difficult one, because... I was gonna, I was gonna pick a winner, and then I thought, oh, no, actually, that probably doesn't really make much sense. I'd probably say Kim, just because I thought that, like, she, she had a ten-inch reach advantage on Molly, and barely used it. Like Garbrandt game plan winner to Kim. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like you know when we talk Garbrandt game plan, we're talking like. Something real stupid. It has to take after the name of the, of the segment here. So um, I, I got to go with uh, Vendramini going for a takedown after he landed okay, yeah, the fair. left hook from hell on uh, on Paddy. Uh, I mean, like I said, Paddy took it really well. He wasn't, he was a little bit wobbled, but he was, he was mostly fine. But either way, you land a, I land a shot like that and go for the takedown. Um, yeah, I mean... To be fair, I could see that having a 10-inch reach advantage against anyone and losing the fight is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, I got to give it to Luigi. Um, and, uh, I'll concede, I'll concede. Yeah, I, I'm good at picking the Garbrandt game plan away, winner, mate. Because um, Yeah, you're mean. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm mean and because I'm stupid as well. So when I see stupidity in a fight, I'm like, ah, there we go. Takes one to no one. Um, what do we got next? Some news? Charles Oliveira and Dustin join at each other a little bit ahead of UFC 269. Love to see it. I cannot wait for that fight. 
I cannot wait for that fight. I, f- I feel like everyone was talking about, like, I mean, I was talking about it, but McGregor Poirier was going to be 50 50. For me, this is a legitimate 50 50 fight. Yeah, this, this, after this fight, it will finally feel like the 55 belt is in its rightful hands. You know what I mean? Whoever wins, because as much as I love the Bronx, and I don't think this, but I just know a lot of people do, it does kind of feel like there's still the Habib retiring undefeated, kind of lingering over the belt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas after this fight, you know, if Oliveira wins, obviously he'll be, um, he'll have, you know, won the belt and then defended. So that makes him legit. And, uh, if Dustin wins, he'll have beat Connor twice, the biggest star in the sports history and then won the belt. So either way, it's going to be like, okay, the belt is, you know, it's passed on now. It's Habib, the ghost of Habib, Habib passed is gone. <laughs> 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 I just, I just pictured that like Christmas Carol. That was perfect brilliantly put uh what we got oh oh yes we've got to talk about this what i just wanted to talk about the boxing this weekend because of donald trump commentating can we talk about how great donald trump is going to be as a commentator (laughs) i mean we're blessed by not just one but two trumps his son's also (laughs) in i I can't stand his son i mean i'm not saying donald trump senior is any more any less of a douchebag than his son but i just find he's so funny i just find him so i'm sorry I, I i'm not that's nothing to do with political beliefs or anything just without even trying to be i just find him absolutely hilarious every time he opens his mouth he's like a walking talking madame two swords statue <laughs> he's like himself. a walking talking um you know one of those piece to camera interviews in the office <laughs> <laughs> like just with, with like you know needs jim in the background pulling a funny face every time he says anything i just find everything he says hilarious so to put him on the memeiest boxing card of all time. It's just like the perfect storm. And I, for one, will definitely be watching. I'll tell you what, I mean, it's getting a lot of stick. Entertainment-wise, it's a great night of fights. Oh, I'm interested. Like, They've got my attention. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to see Anderson Silva piece up Tito Ortiz? Come on. <laughs> who doesn't want to see anyone piece up Tito Ortiz, but especially someone we all love in Anderson Silva. And then you know, you've got David Hay on the... Under- I mean, how mad is this? In in 2021, you've got Evander Holyfield coming out of retirement, which, okay, probably isn't that surprising. You've got Anderson Silva fighting in boxing, and you've got David Hay coming back. Like, it's just mental. And it, all uh, with Donald Trump yeah. <laughs> talking over it. And Snoop Dogg and God knows what else is going to be on the commentary. <laughs> it's just going to be nightmare. Absolute nightmare. But I tell you what, I love it. I love the whole spectacle... I quite like what they're doing in the sense of kind of sticking two fingers up to the patriarchy and doing it their own way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. I, I admire Triller for that. I just kind of wish they put on actual fights. Yeah, I mean, the, the fights trial. are a shambles, but they're a uh, they're an entertaining, watchable, lovable It's shambles. WWE boxing. <laughs> Let's say it yeah. as it is. It's not real boxing, um, but it'll be a lot of fun. Tune in for it. Buy it on pay per view. Stream it illegally. Do whatever. Don't I guarantee you. Stream it illegally. <laughs> <laughs> I do not support these views. I I, I, I must get that out. There. No, I, just enjoy it. It'll be it'll be a laugh. You'll enjoy it. And then what in terms of uh, real fights, we've got some insane matchups announced recently. I know um, the first one on the notes here isn't actually announced yet, but they've been going at each other on Twitter and kind of both accepted the fight. Um, Nate Diaz and Vicente Luque. Um, as a Luque stan, I love this fight because I think he would win it dominantly where there would be blood everywhere and it would be the perfect statement he needs to put himself in the title picture. As a fan of both these fighters, I hate this fight because I don't get what <laughs> Nate gains from it. <laughs> it just seems so weird to me. It like, is very odd because it's not really, as much as I love Luque, he's not enough of a name for the 
you know, Nate Diaz has got millions and millions of casual fans out there who don't know who Vicente Luque is. So it does nothing for him with them. Call me crazy, but he'd be better off boxing Jake Paul. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. I don't know what to say to that. You've, you've left me speechless there. But no, I just think like from a competitive standpoint, he's going to get more scar tissue. He's probably going to lose. I mean, Nate Diaz losing doesn't really matter, but it's also like, I don't think he's... Nate, you're not a welterweight. Stop trying to convince us. Go back to lightweight. That's where your natural home is. Nah, screw it. I'm all, I'm all for Luke Done. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You just want to see the claret. I just want to see. I just want to see the scar tissue busted open and Luke covered in it as well. Um, but I remember the Mike Perry fight when Luke was holding that guillotine and Perry's blood was just all over Luke's torso. I was going to say that's, that's what you, I want to see. Have you ever seen it? The movie, you know, the new, the new one. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it's like all the blood spurting out the taps. That's what yeah, it'll be. Terrible like. movie, by the way, but um. I like the reference. <laughs> that's, um, basically, that's basically what it would be. Yeah. But what have we got now? Oh, yeah. right. I have to hold my hands up on a minute. I never thought they'd book this fight because from what I've been told, they're quite close, but it seems like all in the name of brotherhood is out the window. Brad Riddell versus Rafael Fiziev is a ridiculous fight. I thought Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell I was going to say, it's like basically Riddell Dober on steroids, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's just an, an, a one level up in craziness um, because, you know, Fiziev is is that much, that you know, that good of a striker and Riddell is Riddell. Yeah, I just, I don't get really how you separate the two. I'll be honest, because you got Fiziev doing his spinning back kicks and snapping his back in half and doing the Matrix stuff. And then you've got Riddell who literally just plows through anything and keeps on coming, but is also a pretty decent kickboxer. I think it what just... I'd worry about for, for Raphael in this fight is that he did gas a bit against Bobby Green. And yeah, like you just said, Riddell can go for 15 minutes. Riddell can go for 25 minutes if, if, if they need to. So, um, you know, not that this is a main event or anything, but um, yeah, I think I would, I would favor Riddell purely on gas tank. But in terms of, you know, striking, it's just going to be glorious to watch from both of them. And then we've got Jimmy Crute versus... Jamal? Yeah, is I think it's just Jamal. Jamal. It's spelled a little Jamal? different than most people spell Jamal, but I think it's just Jamal Hill. Jimmy Crew versus um, Jamal yeah, Hill. Same card, December 4th. Um, Jimmy Crew and Jamal Hill. Classic um, striker. What am I going to say, Ben? Really, what am I going to say? What, what do I hate when the UFC... What, what, what do I hate it the most when the UFC do it? You I both hate of these fights. <laughs> you know, I hate it when they pick bloody prospects against each other. But I'll tell you what, it's a banger. Uh, I'm, I'm all for it. And you know what? The trash talk leading up to that fight is going to be hilarious. I cannot wait. I'm just going to like, I'm going to turn off everything else and just listen to them talk shit for however long it happens. There's also the interesting caveat of it being stanky leg versus stanky arm from, the, from their <laughs> last fights on the same card. <laughs> that is also true. That is also true. It'll be good. It'll be, it'll be entertaining. I, I actually kind of can't really pick up. I, mean, I don't really want to go into prediction because we're doing that later. But I think I'd lean towards Croup purely because yeah. he's probably going to try and take him down. And we just saw how that went for, for Jamal in his last fight. But um, pretty handsy. You know, who knows? Hall has insane power. So it only takes one moment for him to catch Croup. And, um, you know, but then Croup has good striking as well. Like we saw what he did to Prokowskis. So, yeah, like I say, it is really hard to separate. And that December 4th fight night is going to be. I mean, it doesn't even matter what the rest of the card is. With those two fights on it, <laughs> book it on your calendar December 4th. You're staying in and watching the fights. Um, another really interesting fight that's been added to UFC 269, which is probably going to be the Oliveira and Dustin card, is um, Duplessis against Andrew Andre Muniz. Um, obviously, Duplessis coming off that insane knockout on the Conover's Dustin card, right? And, yep. uh, and Muniz snapping Jacare's arm uh, in his last fight. 
again, I mean, I guess you wouldn't really call them prospects because they're a bit more experienced than, you know, someone like Jamal Hill, but it is kind of two up and comers squared off against each other. Um, but this just feels like perfect matchmaking. And, and again, probably another, you know, you could call it another striker versus grappler uh, matchup, but Duplessis can grapple as well. Yeah, I, I think we, well, we haven't really seen that in his, we haven't really seen that in the octagon, have we? We haven't seen Duplessis. Mm-hmm. Resorts, well, yeah, because he's been putting people to sleep too quickly. But um, I've seen him grapple in other organizations and he's pretty good, yeah. Like some of his KSW fights, he, he's been a bit crafty, it, yeah. It'll be intriguing. I'm quite looking forward to the stylistic matchup. And 269, by the way, is also going under the radar. If they if they do add the Oliveira Poria fight, Nunes versus Julian Pena is going to be in the co main, so that's already looking pretty stacked. Add Drickus and, and Andre to that, and it's just looking well. I kind of, I, we all say this, don't we? We say like, oh, the UFC's like, this card's pretty stacked. This card's pretty stacked. And then it's like 268 comes along. And it's like, oh, no, that is, or 267 or whatever. That is really, really stacked. 269, if they continue building, could be a, a nice end to the year. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned it there. 268 has just been, uh, just been, uh, had another addition with the uh, the debut of Ian Gary, which should be super exciting, fighting Jordan Williams. Um, 268 is looking like one of the most insane cards I have ever seen since I started following this sport. I mean, just absolutely crazy amount. And so good for Ian Gary to be on that card as well. Like, he, they cannot have picked a better card to put a prospect on to potentially get a win on his debut. May I go out on a limb here? I would, I would actually argue it's, the most stacked card in the past five years. I can't, I can't remember. Really I can't remember one that you know, providing it doesn't fall apart. Please, MMA gods, bless us. Uh, yeah, I can't remember one with more you know star power in terms of you know the names on in some of these fights. Just ridiculous. I mean, you've got Luke Rockhold coming back against Sean Street, and you just said it there. Like, I don't think Ian could have made a better debut, or could have been on a better debut, mm-hmm. or a debut on the best cards, probably. Better way of putting it. Um, purely because there's a load of welterweights on there. So he'll get an eye of like what the division looks like and everything like that. But also when he peaks, those welterweights will have probably retired by then. I mean, he's still 23. Usman, yeah. Covington are in their 30s, well in their 30s. Like They're not going to be around for like the next five years. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of adjusts to that. I think Jordan Williams is the perfect fight for him to make his debut because I think he can probably put him away and but a bit of a name for himself. I mean, Williams did get rocked on the feet by Mickey Gall, so that doesn't bode too well for his chances if it stays standing against Gary. Yeah, and I I think also the fact that Gary's been training with Henry Hoofler at Stanford, which I think, by the way, is a brilliant move. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was speaking to Derek Brunson um, before his fight with Till, and he couldn't stop singing his praises of Gary. He really couldn't. He was saying that, like, he's kind of taking everyone by surprise, like, in the gym. I mean, don't forget, that gym is literally full of, like, Robbie Lawler, and now Lassan. Like, you've got every kind of... But like even like Tyrone Spong, obviously Kamara Usman came from there. Well, I think people Gilbert have, Burns. Yeah, we we spoke about Till earlier. People want British fighters to do this because you, you kind of need to. Like Bisping did it and, and it worked okay for him. And um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people say Till needs to needs to move over to the States and you know find a, a wrestling heavy camp to train at. Um, you know, it's just like you say, it's the perfect move for Gary, and he's so young as well that he can still learn so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to make, again, I don't want to make the same comparisons to Paddy, but like everyone's really excited about Paddy. I think everyone will be just as excited when Ian makes his debut because the Conor, McGregor, the Conor McGregor comparisons are so lazy. I mean, I'm guilty of myself to do it all the time, but it is there. He has, Ian Gary has the it factor and he has it in bags. Like we've seen it on a K Warriors days. We've sung praises of him 
on this podcast before. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I am so fully on board with the Ian Gary hype train. It's unreal. Um, and I, I just can't wait to watch him make his debut. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's actually in front of a crowd as well. So that'll be even more. Yeah, electric. it's at Madison Square Garden. So you're making, you're literally making your debut at the mecca of boxing. Yeah, MMA. at the mecca like, of fights on one of the biggest cards ever seen in UFC history, providing it doesn't all fall apart um, for injuries or COVID or whatever. Um, there was a, another sort of noteworthy fight added to that card recently, which is Alex Pereira uh, making his debut against Andreas Michelidis. Um, I think they're kind of trying to feed a body to Pereira there on his debut. Yeah, I think they're kind of hoping he does some sort of crazy spinning shit. As yeah, we've that's, seen that's what they're counting in glory days. Um, yeah, I, people are kind of, I think people are like jumping the gun a bit. I think people are going, oh, he's, he's going to like push on and fight Izzy, which of course he's going to do. But I think they're kind of also sleeping on his actual MMA skills. Mm-hmm. He's been, he hasn't been training with like some bums. He's been training with Glover Teixeira, probably one of the best grapplers in the light heavyweight division of all time. And one of the most like cerebral fighters yeah, around. Exactly. So, you know, he'll have learned so much from him. And it is just a fascinating. I'm so intrigued. I mean, we've seen him fight in LFA. We've seen him, I think he's on like three and one in his career. So one loss, and that was like early. That was years ago. Um, I think, he, well, I mean, he lost at the weekend, but the guy he was fighting, uh, I think it was Vahovic or something, the, um, the kickboxer. Lost his light heavyweight title, but it was a decision. It was a bit me, a bit contentious. Um, I'm just really, I think by then his, his focus was entirely on MMA anyway. He was just kind of doing it for last paycheck, so to speak. But the, the fight with Izzy sells itself. Like it, mm-hmm. if they can, yeah. if they can build up, they somehow build him a run of like, I mean, he's, he's quite old. I think he's like 31, 34. So if they can build a run, say, of like five fights, maybe he fights a Shabazian or I don't know a Brunson or someone in the next couple of years to then push him onto a touch shot with Izzy. The intrigue and the hype around that will be something else. It'll I think be, they'll have learned their lesson on uh, giving hype trains to Brunson. But uh, yeah, I see a point. Yeah, I see a point. And um, I mean, like you say, definitely the uh, the storyline sells itself. They don't even need to do anything. So, um, you know, the hype for that will be unreal. If, if Pereira goes out there and just destroys Michaelidis on this, on this, you know, biggest card of all time, as we're uh, anointing it now, um, then, yeah, the hype will be off the chain. Um, one more fight I did want to mention on that card that recently got added is Shane Burgos against Billy Quarantillo. Um, nice. if, if that's not, like, fight of the night, fight of the year, fight of the decade, then, uh, you know, just shoot me dead where I stand. Um, what a fight. Like, anytime Billy Hugh gets in there, it's insane. Anytime Shane gets in there, it's insane. Um, like, How is Shane I, I can't recovered even, in time? I don't know you know what to say about this fight. Like, <laughs> it's just, I hope it goes 15 minutes because I want 15 minutes of this fight. You just want 15 minutes of Claret, which is exactly what you're going to get. Well, <laughs> having said that, I don't, I really don't, I was just saying, I don't know how, how was Shane Burgess recovered in time? Like he just got starched by Barbosa. What was it? A couple of months ago? It was such a weird, weird knockout as yeah. well. Seems like it's quite a. No, it is I'm quite quick. It that. is quite quick. But hope I hope he's not just going to go in there and get sparked because, as I say, like I can just see that being like very similar to the Riddell Doba, but less technical, just yeah. pure chaos, like a less technical version of that fight. Billy Hugh literally has only one style as well. It's just bite down on gum shield and. 
swinging well swinging it's, bang, it's the billy q style it's just like <laughs> come here i don't give a fuck what happens let's fight <laughs> and that's it's, kind of how yeah. burgos fights as well so um yeah like i say there's that, what that's a card man. that's we the standout even, fight on that card for me we didn't even talk about frankie edgar versus chitavira like or, or, or chandler versus gaethje or, or strickland versus rocker like there's so many fights on this card that, that it's just so hard to like and it's only a couple of months away isn't it what is it october yeah i think I so I think it's yeah, end of October or something like that. Um, I can't wait. I, I think there's a chance it, I'll be in an airport in Denver when this fight is going on, but that's I thought you were that's say only if um, the US lets Europeans in through uh, through COVID restrictions, which uh, they're not doing at the moment. So um, hopefully they let me in, but that might mean that I'm watching this card on a on a phone in an airport. Wait, no Europeans, you can't you can't fly to the states at the moment. Uh, not at the moment, no. What's that? Oh, because. of... COVID. It was. I think they were planning to lift it in September and uh, and, and let us in, let me in. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think they're now saying they might extend it, so I might have to rebook my holiday to uh, to a later date, which would be annoying. But whatever. Oh, that's that's really frustrating. I thought you were going to say you were going to be at the card, and then I'd be even more sick with envy. Oh well, mate. Maybe if uh, if they don't let people into Colorado, but they do let people into New York, then uh, then maybe I'll go to the card instead. But uh, no, I think it's I think it's a nationwide ban on us filthy Europeans that they're uh, that they've got at the moment. So um, yeah, I mean, we obviously not got a card to look forward to this weekend, but we uh, we will have one next week to discuss, and we'll be able to be back next week talking about the amazing boxing that we've seen oh, this weekend. Con- of course, there's contender series as well. Don't forget. Oh yeah, uh, glad yeah, to keep yeah. an eye out for Jack Della Maddalena. Started his career with a two-fight skid. Has knocked out every single oh, one. Oh, this is the guy you've been talking to yes. about constantly. I didn't realise yes. he was fighting next week on Contender Series. He is. He's from Australia. I think he's the next big thing. I think he'd, he's trained with Izzy, Brad Riddell, you name it. Um, he's actually managed by Paradigm as well, which kind of speaks volumes as to how much they highly rate him. Um, and I think I'm interviewing him tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled for that because, yeah, I think they could be onto something here. Because the guy he's fighting as well is from Samford. Trains at Sanford, I think, or maybe Hard Knots with, um, yeah, either of the two. And it's a welterweight. And I have a sneaky suspicion that he's going to want to fight Ian Gary at some point in the future, which would be fireworks. Mate, you just said you hate when your prospects get paired off against each other. Now you're advocating for uh, it. When, when it's an interim <laughs> or a title fight, that is a fair game. Oh, you're talking way <laughs> down the line. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but there's a name to watch out for a contender series. And um, we'll be back, what, next Wednesday to discuss all the goings on there. And hopefully to discuss um, Tito Ortiz and uh, Vitor Belfort both getting knocked the fuck out. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> <laughs>